Hello, and welcome to the family at World Harvest Outreach. I want to talk about tapping into God's economy. With all of the news, with all of the interest rate hikes that the Fed has been offering up and enacting here in the United States, I felt like it was important for us to just kind of relook at finances. I did this, I did a couple seasons, or a couple Sundays last year in this same time frame. I thought I would do just at least one again this week. <clears throat> this year, excuse me, today. Um, but man, as Lauren was singing that song about the portion, Jesus, God, the Father being our portion, like I felt like that was a really great place to start because I think one of the things the Lord's really been impressing upon me is that finances, job, earning, money, that kind of thing, was never really supposed to be about our needs. Like, God said, Jesus taught us right at the beginning, even before he said the Lord's Prayer. Do you guys remember what the beginning part of that was? How he introduced the Lord's Prayer? The Father already knows what you need. And so when we realize that Jesus, God the Father, is our portion, then all of our needs are already met in relationship with God the Father. Now that's a mindset that's really hard to break when you live in Western culture like this, because you think that you work to meet your needs. You think you work to get the things you need to live and survive. And God, in that very beginning, when he was teaching us how to pray, he wanted us to know at the very beginning, you don't have to ask me for what you need, I already know. That's huge for me. So work becomes much less about doing what I need to do in order to survive, and that's what prayer is about. Prayer's about tapping into the one that gives me the air I breathe. Like, guys, if we have the air we breathe, if we have the ground outside that'll produce food, if we have sun and we have rain and we have all those things that, I don't want to say magically, but magically show up in our lives every day that give us what we need to survive, you can trust him for your needs. So then finances doesn't become a discussion about what you need to live. Finances become something much more rich. It literally becomes about wealth and it becomes about stewardship. It becomes about something much more than my job. So I want you to know that I'm starting out from that position and heart posture today. Money is not about your needs. Money is not getting you what you need so that you can eat. That's what he's for. He is a good father. And a good father gives his children everything they need, which means the starting point to talk about money, to talk about finances, is that your needs are already met. Am I repeating myself? Yes. Do you know why I'm repeating myself? Because it takes a long time to break a mentality, break habits, and our mentalities are thoughts that we've had over and over and over again, and they become a way of thinking. It's not just a thought. It's actually a way of thinking. And Jesus wants to be the starting point of your life. He wants to be your faith. And so if he is your faith, then we have to decide together our needs are already met in him. Raise your hand if we want to start with me there. Can you just do that with me? Be charismatic for like five seconds and say, I want to start there. Thank you. All right. For all y'all, Proverbs chapter 9. Let's start there. A couple things as I get ready to do this. I'm hoping to get done today, but I really doubt it, but we're going to try. This is really important for you, and this applies to every single one of us. Whether we work for a living, whether we're tired, whether we are homemakers, whether we are work, whether we're owners, whether we're employees, what I'm about to tell you applies to you, okay? Second of all, my encouragement is to listen to this with a beginner's mind. So in other words, don't come at this and think to yourself, oh, I already know that, or, oh, we already do that, and because exactly what happened, when you think one of those two thoughts, either I already know that or we already do that, you immediately write off the truth that might be available for you inside of a truth, okay? Or inside of a principle or inside of a teaching. So as much as possible, 
come at it. That's how I come into my studies with the Lord. Like I come, even though I might have read the scripture before, Lord, what are you saying to me now about that? And it's like a brand new thing. So Proverbs chapter nine. This is just a good introductory verse for us. Wisdom has built her house. I love that. Even though it's her, I feel like someone with a really deep voice says that verse. Wisdom. Like, I can't talk very deep, but <clears throat> wisdom has built her house. Do you know that, first of all, wisdom's a woman? Come on, ladies. Yeah, like, you, you girls are wise, and we should listen to you. Go ahead, just do the elbow. Everybody that can sit next to your husband, just do it. Wes, Steph tried to elbow you, just in case. Okay. Wisdom has built her house, which means there's already a house that you should be living in. There's already a house built for us that if we live in it, we will have wisdom. And we've talked about wisdom before. Wisdom begins. W wisdom is the starting point. You don't ask for wisdom when you're in trouble because when you ask wisdom for something when you're in trouble, it will tell you, start over. So you know when you're in trouble and you ask someone for help and they try to fix your current situation, you're not accessing wisdom. Hello? There's a lot of friends in your life that will try to fix what's currently going on in your life, but real wisdom will say, nope, we gotta start at the foundation. We have to start again. And so when Jesus shows up, he tells Nicodemus, what? You must be born again. What's, his, what's Nicodemus' response? Well, how, how, how do you do that? How many times have someone come to you and you say, nope, you gotta start over, tear it all down, and you say, well, how do you do that? That's wisdom talking. And wisdom says you can. No matter where you are, no matter what situation, no matter how old you are, you can start anew. That's wisdom talking. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. And we're gonna talk about this in a minute. But there are seven pillars that substantiate, that give strength to the house that this woman called wisdom has built. She has prepared her food. She has mixed her wine. All of this has already been done for us. The food is ready. The wine is out. It is being aerated right now. Hello? It's in the sifter. Perfect. Okay. Anyway. She has also set her table. She is waiting for you. And more than just waiting for you, she is sending out her maidens. She calls from the tops of the heights of the city. Whoever is naive, right here, I am. Let him turn in here. I'm coming. I am coming. I need wisdom. To him who lacks understanding, she says, come, eat my food. Drink the wine I've mixed. Forsake your folly and live and proceed in the way of understanding. Verse six is how you start over. For some of us, folly has gotten us into the places that we're in. Folly is just decisions you just make without wisdom. A lifestyle you've created without wisdom. A mentality, a thought process you've built without wisdom. And wisdom says, hey, stop it. Stop that, leave that house, come to mine. And I'm gonna teach you a different way. I'm gonna show you a new way. If you're naive, just admit it and get over here. And that's why I say to you, if you can come with a beginner's mind when you hear things like this, you will be wise. You will be. You wanna say something? Okay. So, the seven pillars, I'm gonna talk about that. Do you trust me? Okay. So the seven pillars. Uh, one more thing. Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Are you guys looking? Oh, okay. You're just looking up there. Okay. I used, you, there was a day where you could hear pages turning. I miss that. I just want to tell you, I miss hearing Bibles turning and pages opening. How many people still own a Bible? How many people know where it is? How many people are holding it right now? Hey, way to go, Brian Bain. I'm proud of you. Beard and all. He still knows where his Bible is. Ecclesiastes 11, verse 2. Divide your portion to seven. 
or even eight, for you do not know what misfortune may occur on the earth. So this is one of the places where it substantiates the idea of the seven pillars of her house. Does anybody else know biblically where else wisdom in the number seven shows up? Those of you that still own paper Bibles? How about the seven spirits of God? Seven seals, seven trumpets? Yeah, it is. So look those up. I'm not going to go over those, but I'm going to talk about these seven or eight things here in a minute. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 2, divide your portion to seven or even eight, for you do not know what misfortune may occur on the earth. Okay, if you're not taking notes, I want to encourage you to do so, because this is something you can look back at later, but I'm going to give you some points here that I think are going to be really valuable. Number one, do not limit yourself to only one source of income. Really, really valuable piece of advice I gained years ago. Took me a while to get it, but it's very valuable now. Do you know that having one job or one career or one way that money comes into your life is very Western and very modern, but it's not the way it always was? The ancients weren't just one thing. Like in the Bible times, uh, even prior to the New Testament, even in the Old Testament times, like there were multiple ways in which income came into households. You weren't just one thing. You weren't just an engineer. You weren't just a farmer. You weren't just a bricklayer. You weren't just whatever it is. It's an actually a very modern thing to just have one job and one career where you actually go to college, learn that thing, and that's the only thing you do. Okay, it's very Western. It's, I think it started in Europe. If you actually look back to the history of like, you actually can look this up. Like one income earning, like what's the history of it? And you'll find out it's 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 very European, and it came from the idea of, and I'm hearing this again in today's society of we work too hard. Okay, that that's a mentality that was starting that showed up in Europe, and so the idea was we're just gonna have one stream of income that comes in, and that created like more rest for people, more peace for people, and that's because people didn't understand what real rest and real peace was. And the reality is you don't have to work in seven jobs in order to have seven streams of income. You guys realize that, right? It says to divide it, first of all. That, that term, can you put 11-2 back up there, please? It says to divide your portion, which means you know that you have income, and the idea is to not only have seven streams of income coming in, but it's also the idea of having different things that you put your money into. So as much as you have seven things coming in, you also have places where you're putting your money that you know will return you a harvest. So multiple streams of income absorb the ebbs and flows of any economic situation. There are different economic situations where certain ways of income make sense where other ways won't make as much sense. So you might be earning 10 or 12% sometimes and only 1 or 2% other times in that same one depending upon the season of time. And so for right now, if, if, if all of our money is in the stock market, how you doing? Hello? Yeah, you're not doing great right now. You probably have a negative return in 2022. Anybody looked at it lately? Yeah, you probably have more than a negative return. <laughs> but there's other investments that if you were in right now, you will have a positive return. Like you've actually looked at the value. And you know, stock market's a real easy way to measure because they're giving you all kind of metrics all the time. But there's other ways. Does anybody have a business that has grown this year? Your income has grown this year. Okay, so if you would have both money in the stock market, which in the last five to 10 years probably made you double-digit profit percentage, but this year it didn't. So if you had money in the stock market and you lost value, but your business grew this year because you have multiple stream income ideas, you offset the loss. That make sense? This is the wisdom of the ancients, Solomon talking here. Something else I was thinking about as I thought about this seven or eight ways of making money. How many people eat the same food every day? The exact same food every day? Who in here? 
Okay, that's your 70-something, right? You're just in a free. Okay. <laughs> Let's be honest. If you ate the exact same food every single day, you're boring. Not only are you boring, but you're also not giving your body everything it needs. Unless it's like, like you give yourself kale. Okay, I just like, I feel it coming. I just feel it right now. But you don't even, as healthy as you are, you don't eat the same foods every day, right? And your body actually craves some of the things that you don't give it every day, but your body wants it. You might not know it wants it, but it wants it. And it's the same with our, our financial health. If you just give it that one source of income all the time, you're not nearly as abundant financially as you could be. And it's the same with your physical health. If all you ate every day was, I don't know, name it. Come on, what's the worst thing you eat every single day? <sighs> Bad example. Pizza. Thank you. If you just ate pizza every day, your body would be yelling at you at some point in time, I need something else. And you know how your body yells at you? Ailments. Weakness. Fatigue. Headache. Frustration. You know you get frustrated easier when you're not physically healthy. And you're financially frustrated when you're not having a balanced financial diet. So Solomon's given us a lot of wisdom here, and he's saying, hey, look, pull in. When I grew up, it was the five food groups. I don't even know if that, does that exist anymore? They've changed a lot. Is it still multiple food groups, though? Okay. So you want to eat from multiple food groups. It's really important. So provide a balanced nutrition for your financial health. And finally, multiple sources of income, multiple sources of places where money comes into your financial house. It keeps you nimble. It keeps you creative. It keeps you engaged. If you just do one thing every day, if you just have one source of income every day, you can go into neutral. You can go into kind of like just numb, robotic. I do this every day. I get this paycheck every week, blah, blah, blah. And the, the fullness of who you are is never tapped into. You lose creativity. You lose the ability to expand the capacity on the inside of you to be and do everything God created you to do. I have learned personally that having multiple places where my money is invested and in, it, it takes my heart there. And so I'm multifaceted and it calls on different parts of who I am. It calls on, and it, here's what I've also found, it calls on different parts of my family. It calls on other relationships. As a result of being involved and, and having my seed out there in all these different places, I connect with people I'd never connected with before. I would have never connected with before. And just one stream of income, you just connect with the exact same people, some of you maybe nobody, every single day, and there's not an expansion, there's not a, a tapping into the creativity and the potential that's on the inside of you. So, first lesson to tap into God's economy is to have multiple streams or multiple sources of income. Any thoughts or questions on that before I keep going? I was just also thinking, it, could that also be seen the way that we give, too, is like not just having that, like, oh, well, I just give to this place, and I give, and I give, and that's like the only place my money goes, the only place that I'm invested in, but also looking for multiple, like, I think even in the sphere of like encouraging that creativity of like, what's the, where should I be looking to bless next, where's the next place I can be investing or building? Yeah, that's really good. I'm going to go into that a little bit in a later one, so hopefully I can get there. Well, actually, it's this one, number two. Okay, so number one, don't limit yourself to only one source of income if you want to tap into God's economy. Number two, remain open. Now, I know that this applies like open hearts, open hearts. Like, By the way, I just want to really quick, quick commercial break from finances. I want to kind of refer back to that. So I had a situation just yesterday where one of our associate, two of our associates were having a conflict. And the one associate called us from the restaurant and said, hey, we're having this conflict. I just want to let you know the last time this happened, I just left and I don't want to do that again. So I'm calling you because this situation happened, but I don't know what to do. And so we had the opportunity to teach this person the idea of opening your heart. It was really cool. In the business context, we got to like do this. And so we said, hey, go to that person and say, hey, look, I could have done this differently. 
Because basically the phone call to us was, this is what they did. Anybody ever have that happen? If you have kids, you have that happen to you all the time. <laughs> this is what they did to me. And instead, we kind of turned it on this person and we said, hey, why don't you go and say, hey, I could have said that differently. Or I could have approached that in a different way that wouldn't have caused you to respond the way you did. If you go and you say, hey, look, I could have done that differently, that's an open heart coming in. And I promise you, when you come in open, when you come in with an opportunity to say, hey, look, I could have done something different, most often the response is open back. How many people have experienced that, right? When you come in soft, when you come in, oh, I could have done things differently, more often than not, the response is, you know what, I could have done something differently too. And the result was exactly that. We found out later, we both apologized, we realized we could have done it differently. I'm like, that's beautiful. And that not only applies relationally, that doesn't just apply in your own life um, spiritually, but it also applies financially. Remaining open means that you are open, like literally, doors are open, like Walmart. Is Walmart still open 24 hours? Sometimes, some places. Oh, it's not anymore? Probably since COVID, it wasn't able to, probably. Is there any place that's open 24 hours anymore? Sheets. Why didn't I think of that? What? Wawa? I know what a Wawa is, but is there one around here? <laughs> yeah. I think there's one coming. I'm pretty sure there's a Wawa coming over here on Wayne Avenue, right where Denny's used to be. It's now Secura. I think Secura's going away. Yeah, and I think Wawa's coming there. So a little bit of, I think they're just moving though. They're not leaving. They're just moving. Okay. Anyway, how did we get there? Oh yeah, open. Uh, remain open. Open means people can come. People can go. I've talked about this a lot. I like to walk with people like this. As much as possible, I can walk with people like this. Come on in, fly in when you need to, fly out when you need to. But, I'm, but when you carry something like this, you have to walk how? Carefully, right? If you don't want to walk carefully and you don't want to drop what you're holding, what do you do? <laughs> and you squeeze it because you don't want to lose it. You don't want it to break. Oftentimes it breaks in your hand or nothing else can come in, nothing else can leave. And so what I have found that staying open, not only relationally, but also with my money, allows money to flow in and allows money to easily flow out, okay? And I have found that many people financially are not at nearly as open as they are in other areas of their life. But I can tell you that, like I used to talk about this years ago, that if, if you could show me, are you ready for this? If you could show me your checkbook and show me what goes on in your bedroom, I can tell you pretty much everything I need to know about you. Either one of you want to show me either one of those things. <laughs> so I will never really know that. But how we handle money, how we think about money, how we handle money, and how we think about and handle ourselves sexually will tell someone everything they need to know about you. But we don't talk about that stuff very much, especially in church. Like, even talking about money here feels just a little weird and off, but I'm doing it anyway because it doesn't feel spiritual. But I can tell you, talking about finances is very spiritual because it taps into areas of our life that we don't think about very much when it comes to the spiritual things, but reveals how we live, how we think, how we believe about stuff. And I can tell you, the way money comes in and goes out of your life tells you how open or how closed you are. Now, you can still be very intentional and very deliberate and be open. I'll give you a good example of this biblically. The Bible tells us to guard our heart. Am I right on that? Now, the idea of guarding your heart doesn't mean this. You ain't coming in here. The word guard actually means to know. It actually means to know what goes in and what goes out of your heart. It's like those... Uh, in the old times where the cities were just built with big walls and there were these places up at the top called the rampart where people would stand. They were the watchmen on the wall and they would stand and they would shout. As somebody was coming from afar off, they would shout as soon as they knew who it was and oftentimes, that's why they would have flags. You guys know that, right? Back in the old times, they had flags so that they could tell people on their way in, this is where we're from. 
That's oftentimes why they would use flag, simply to signify identity. This is where we, we're coming from this country. We're coming from this land. And so a watchman would look out, see the flag, and then shout to the city, so-and-so is on its way in. Okay? That's what it means to guard your heart. To guard your heart is to know. You don't just willy-nilly throw your money everywhere. Because we've talked about this before, and I'll say it again. Those who are unintentional with their money, those who are not deliberate with their money, your money will flow to those who are intentional and who are deliberate with their money. It happens. It's one of the laws of money. If you aren't very intentional, someone who will be intentional will get your money. Has that ever happened to anybody before? You don't want to admit it. Okay. Anyway, remain open so that finances can flow, literally flow. What is another word for money? Currency. What is a current? It moves. It flows. Gene taught this years ago, and I still remember this wholeheartedly. If money must move, if money is sitting somewhere, I promise you it is not doing what it was intended to do, and it will not serve you well. Money is not meant to sit in a savings account. I'm going to say that flat out. If money sits in a savings account, it's only serving one thing, your fear. I'm letting that sit. I'm just going to let it sit, Lord. Let it sit. Holy Spirit, let it sit. Money has to have potential. It has potential and it has to have a place to serve. It has to have a place to go. Money is seed. Seed sown is the only way it grows. Okay? So flow is still very intentional, though. I want you to be very thoughtful. I want you to guard the openness of your financial flow just as much as you guard your heart. I want to pull up this verse, Genesis chapter 8. I want you guys to see this. Because I want to address that fear thing. Uh, because the economy, economic news lately, like if, if I'm looking at actual like financial news, it feels like everything in the, in the current culture wants you to be afraid of what the future economy is. Is anybody feeling that? Feeling like, oh my gosh, we're going into a... Recession, and recessions are bad. Can I tell you, someone who is open does not think a recession is bad. If you are open, you just know that some of your other streams of income are going to do better in a recession. Hello? Like, this is incredible way of thinking. If all you hear is recession, bad, what, you're gonna, what are you going to do? Yeah, you're going to tighten up. You're going to be looking at your savings every day thinking that is my safety, my security. But people that are open look at recession and just say, oh, okay, it's just that part of the cycle now. And in that part of the cycle, we do X. We do Y. Okay? Look at this in Genesis chapter 8. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord took of every clean animal and every clean bird and offered burnt offerings to the Lord. Now, before we go any further, what happened right before verse 20? What happened before verse 20? What was going on? What's the context of this verse? They got off the ark, right? What happened before the ark? The flood came, okay, right? Who is left on the planet right now? Right. For 40 days and 40 nights, they're floating around, or, sorry, it rained and rained and rained. How long were they on the boat? It rained and rained and rained for 40 days and 40 nights. How long were they on the boat? Yeah, they, some people even say it was over a year. Okay, depending upon how years worked in that particular time frame. Anyway, so we know that the Lord was starting over. Hello? Back to wisdom again. Wisdom's like, you know what? Do over. And we're starting all over again. So Noah gets out, builds an altar to the Lord. Verse 21. The Lord smelled, by the way, did you guys know that that was some of the reason why the, the animals were on the ark in the first place? Was just for what happened in verse 20. Remember, there were two of every kind, but there were seven of every clean animal because God was like, when it's over, I want you to do some things so that you can be reminded of my goodness towards you. Okay. Right. And then also to continue on afterwards. There's all that going on. Right. 
So the Lord smelled the soothing offering, and the Lord said to himself, I will never again curse the ground on account of man. For the intent of man's heart is evil from his youth. I will never again destroy every everything as I've done. I want to tell you how I read that verse right now in terms of the current economic culture we're in. I will never again cause bad things to happen on the account of how men act. I will never make things happen on the earth that are negative because of how you carry yourself. Do you hear that? Because that's exactly what he's saying here. The heart that I now have toward you and toward the earth is, no matter how you act, I will not repay evil for evil. Which means that no matter what climate, no matter what culture we're in, God is not enacting something bad so that you pay. This is huge hope and great news for every single human being on the earth, which means that even when things are bad in the earth, God still is thinking good things, positive. These are some incredible things that could take place. Next verse. This is what I love. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease, no matter what. No matter what's going on on the earth, no matter what you hear in the news, no matter what you hear other people saying and what you should be doing or shouldn't be doing, I want you to know this. The way things are going to work is seed time and harvest every year. No matter what. You sow a seed, you're going to get a harvest. There will always be warmth. There will always be cold. There will always be sun, and there will always be rain. This is the promise of God. Now, I've heard that. And then I've heard someone teach this, while the earth remains, Mark, which means at some point in time, this is all going to stop and that's all going to change. And I, I don't like the language there in verse 22. There is nothing in the original language that says, until God kills or destroys the earth. There's nothing in the original language that says that, okay? The actual thought process here is all the time. It's not like until the earth is destroyed. Because when you see the words, while the earth remains, our minds immediately go to, well, until this whole thing is over, right? Anybody else? Yeah, that's normal. But that's how an English person would recount this because of what's coming after. But the reality is in the original Hebrew, it just says, this will be ongoing. That's actually what it means. This will be ongoing, which makes a lot more sense with Seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night. Everybody say it with me. Shall not cease. You will always have opportunity to sow seed, and you will always have opportunity to reap a harvest. Always. And forever. So all this fear of everything that was going so good for the last eight years because we had this, or because the last four years because of this president, now this president comes and ruins everything. Not True. You don't live according to this kingdom. You live according to that kingdom. Right there. Shall not cease. You can prosper right now. Right now. In fact, if and when you believe that and you begin to prosper, when you begin to run into buildings every other person's running out of, people will see something different. And then when they see you going into the building everybody's running out of because it's on fire, why is Wayne Coons running into that building? That, that, that building's on fire. That building's going to get destroyed. What is Wayne thinking? Just wait, guys. Wayne goes into that building while it's on fire, puts the fire out, rebuilds the building. Now everyone's like, ooh, I like that building. There are people right now in a current economic culture that says protect, that are going into things, restoring them, rebuilding them, that when it comes back out, they're the reason why the recession ends. Oh, did you guys hear that? Do you want to be someone that just waits for the bad stuff to happen so you can enjoy the good stuff again? Or do you want to be someone that initiates the next season of good? Because seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer, winter, day and night shall not cease. It will continue. 
I don't know, I hope you heard the truth in that because that's powerful stuff. Seed time. I just want to go all that phrase, seed time. The rest of it's pretty simple and explanatory. Seed time simply means this. Money goes out. Back to this idea of remaining open. There's going to be a time where you invest. Now, has anybody ever invested money and you put the money out there and you immediately had remorse and you're just like, oh, God, what did I just do? Anybody? Oh, it's the worst feeling in the world. But that, what you did was you sowed, you sowed, and then that, that insecurity rose up in you. That insecurity that kept the money in the seed bag rose up to say, what are you doing? You had that, and now you don't have that. When that rises up, just say, oh, I, I know you. I recognize you. Just wait. Just wait, because that soil right there, even though it looks like my seed goes into the ground, what does the seed do when it goes into the ground? It dies. And when it dies, that's the hardest. If you can live through the seed dying portion, and you know this is symbolic, right? Like, like most of you are not farmers. Is there any farmer in here? Ish. Wayne, you were. You remember this, right? Like, man, when that seed goes in the ground, you're just like, just wait. Because you're used, you know, generation after generation, that ground produces a harvest. And it's the same way in every area of your life. For some of us, you need to sow some seed just to break the cycle of listening to fear. Just do it. Even if you lose it. Even if you have really drought, like a bad drought or something like that, and your seed's gone. I've had farmers, they've told us that, man, we lost almost our entire crop because of that. Wayne, had that ever happened to you where you lost a significant portion of your crop due to drought or something like that? Absolutely, it happens. But you break fear. You break the idea of it's all going to go bad. So seed times when money goes out and you don't have as much in the coffers, you don't have as much in the barns. You know what Jesus said about seed in barns, right? It says that's where moth and rust come and destroy it. And then harvest. This is the beautiful thing. You can only enjoy a harvest if you sow. You can't enjoy a harvest if you don't sow. Some of us here are sowing every day and don't even realize it. How many people work for a living? How about that time spent before you get your paycheck? That's seed sowing. You're not just sowing your finances, you're sowing your time, you're sowing your energy, you're sowing your creativity, your thought processes, your skill, your knowledge, you're sowing it, and you're hoping that that paycheck comes at the end of the week. That's sowing and reaping. All right, so first one, in order to tap into God's economy, which means that the current economy has no impact on you, you don't limit yourself to one source of income. Secondly, you remain open. You stay open and you realize that no matter what, the doors can freely flow finances in and out. Number three, ask and believe. Truly biblical concept. You and I are children of a good father. And Jesus promises in John 15, 7, if you abide in me, my words will abide in you. And you can ask for what? Anything. Ask for whatever you wish, is what it actually says. And it will be done for you. How many people would like that? Right? I would love that. And I'm starting to see more and more of that in my life. Now, there are caveats to that. You guys know this. If you abide in me. Like, that is huge. Like, literally, not just, oh, I should do what Jesus says. No, you literally build your house inside the house of wisdom. You guys know wisdom is God, okay? Jesus is the wisdom of God and the power of God. So he is our house. We live in the house called wisdom, and when we do that, then what's in the house begins to take root in us. We begin to live according to the culture of that house, not the house of this world. And then we can ask whatever we want and it'll take place. I absolutely love that. As I abide in the Lord, like I want that to settle in for a minute. You can ask for whatever you want. Whatever you want. 
Now, the beauty of abiding in his house, you'll realize some of the things you would have asked him for out here in the cold, in the kingdom of this world, that is probably not the thing I should be asking for, okay? The key is I want to dwell in the light. I want to dwell in who he is, and then I'll begin to ask the right questions. You'll ask what's good for you. You'll ask what's best, best for you and for the world around you. And then Jesus also said this about believing, asking and believing. If you want to tap into God's economy, you have to ask God for things. You actually have to ask him for things. And then you have to believe that what you ask him for will actually take place in your life. Jesus said this about Matthew 17. Matthew 17, 23. Uh, whoops, maybe I gave you the wrong verse. Because that's not a good one. I don't want you to be deeply grieved. I must have given you the wrong verse. What's all things are possible to him who believes? Whatever that verse is. All things are possible to him who believes. This is something so valuable to me that I discovered in, like, even go beyond economics. When people tell you that something really bad is going to take place or you should be afraid of it, in that moment, I pause. Because I realize the opposite of that thing that they're trying to get me to protect from could actually turn out to be really good. Fear will try to protect you from what is possible. Protect you from expanding. Protect you from increasing your capacity to grow. Jesus said, believe and anything is possible. Ask and then believe. Children, not adults, I don't have enough. Look, I grew up and I realized I, I, don't, I rarely ask for anything. Like when was the last time you genuinely went to someone or to God and simply said, can I have this? When was the last time you did it? It's been a long time. For a lot of us in this room, I'm willing to bet it's been a long time. You will and always will be. You are and always will be a child. And that's something really important. Don't, let, don't you dare stop the children from coming to me. Because children come and they ask. Now, don't get me wrong. There are some things that you should be producing without asking. That's part of maturity. But you never grow out of asking your father for things. That's the whole goal of this walk with God is that you realize that he's available and he's abundant. It actually goes into my last point. And I'm just going to go into it right now because I know what time it is. Because this is my, I, I would say this is the most important one. Don't forget that he is a really good father. If you want to tap into God's economy, you have to realize that you have, I have, a really good father, and he wants the absolute best for us. Now, that is a mindset that I think I have to spend the rest of my life breaking, that at some point in time, everything that I've done wrong in my life will end up coming back on me. Or if I do, like just in general, I think humans as a society, as an individual, either one, we think that eventually something bad's going to happen. Hello? Like, we can't help it. It's just like a karma thing, right? Or even the sowing and reaping thing. Or just in general, we, we live in a depraved society. Things are only going to get worse. We have a good Father. And when you dwell in His house, you look around at all of the furnishings. You look around at all the other people in God's house, and you realize they don't have, a, they don't have anything to want for they're all satisfied. They're all taken care of. They're all happy. Like, my goodness, the people that live in God's house are happy. Kids, for the most part, are happy. And you realize that I can be that too because he's a good father. And good fathers really love their kids. Like, really love their kids. Like, that's all good fathers and good parents think about is how incredible their kids are. And if you take a moment when you're in a good place as a parent, we have a lot of parents in here, not when you're in a bad place, because when you're in a bad place, you, you often think about all the bad things or all the things you wish your kids were. But when you're in a good place, you look at your children, you're like, well, dang. Look at them. Look at them. They're incredible. God is always thinking that. And like, all right, so is Matthew 7, did I give you that verse, right? Matthew 7, 7 through 11. Is that one that says, ask and it will be given? Hey, all right, I got one. All right, look at this. Back to the ask thing. Ask and it's going to be given to you. 
Seek, you're going to find it. Knock, and it will be open to you. It will be open to you. Everyone who asks receives. Hey, guys, your kids. How many parents in here give their kids a Christmas? Like, kids, give me your Christmas list. Anybody ever grow up putting a Christmas list out and giving it to your parents? No one? Am I? Okay, we got a few? All right. Some of you got coal? All right, you all look like a lot of you got coal for a lot of years. Like, you guys need to smile once in a while. Hey, Rodney, smile at me over there. You happy? Sheesh. Okay. Everyone who asks gets. Look, I love Christmas morning, and I don't love Christmas morning because I spent a bunch of money. Let me tell you that. I love Christmas morning because I love seeing my kids happy. That's the Kids, if your kid's in this room, I want to tell you this. Christmas is great for your parents because your parents know that is one day that my kids are probably going to be happy because I read the list and I took care of a lot of the things on the list. And it's like, holy crap, my kids are happy. Look at them. Every day is Christmas morning to your father. Every morning. Because he's looking at you getting a hold. Will she get excited that she gets to breathe today? Will he over there get excited because it was the exact weather he asked for so that he could have that? Like all those little things that we tend to blow off and think God wasn't faithful, he is looking to see if you'll be happy about how good of a father he is because he gave you that. Every morning, his mercies are new. He's pouring them out because he wants to see his kids happy. That's your father, and he dwells right now in September of 2022 when the winds are saying bad things are going to happen. You have a good father, and he is yelling, Merry Christmas! Right now, you have a father shouting that. Gifts are abundant. They are all around you right now. What man is there among you when his son asks for a loaf, give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will, not, will he not give him a snake? If you then, being evil, know how to good gifts, give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? When I realize that I have a good Father that wants everything to go my way, He wants everything to go my way. He wants me to realize that favor is going before me, making a way for me right now. As a result, when I I believe that, like I ask and I get, and as a result, I believe. Like I believe. Like there's some times where God wants to give you something so you believe. You guys realize that, right? He's not just like this father who demands belief before he gives you something. He's not. He's actually a father that says, hey, Mike, ask me something. Darian, ask me. And then I'm going to give you something. He wants us to enjoy the gifts he gives, and then our belief increases, and our faith increases. Like, he's actually that kind of father. He just said it right here in Matthew 7. But as a result, I live in the light that I have a good father who really cares and wants to give me incredible things. I begin to think in terms of possibility and opportunity. You do. It's part of the fruit of, a, of living in the light of a good father. You think in terms of possibility. If you don't live in the light of a good father, you think in terms of what could go wrong. But if you have a good father, you think in terms of what could go right. You realize, because you live in the light of a good father, that every circumstance and every situation can have a good outcome. Every relationship you're in can heal and restore. Every financial situation, every time I invest, can produce an incredible harvest. Amen. You have a good father. And when you ask of him, sometimes your sowing of seed is an ask. Here's my ask, Lord. Seed out there. Putting it into this thing. Believing you will return it to me 30, 60, 100 fold. There's my ask. You hear it? You see it? I'm, I'm believing you because you're a good father. 
If God is good, then what's the best possible outcome of this situation? And then I invest and build toward the best outcome. Oftentimes what we do with our money is we invest and build according to what could go wrong or what's the worst outcome. As long as I can protect myself from the worst outcome, I'll be okay. The children of light invest for the best outcome. That's how the kingdom of God happens on the earth. We think about what's good and what's possible and build toward that. If you want a life that becomes city on the hill, a light that can't be covered up, build according to what's possible on the earth through your life. Now, the last thing I'll say about this, <clears throat> you have a good father, right? You have a good father, right? Like, come on, be... Mm -hmm. then you have to take action to engage him. You have to take action to engage him. Okay, look, all of us that have had children or have been children, when you got excited about something as a kid and you said, I want to do this sport or I want to do this activity or I want to engage in this hobby, a good parent would say, okay, and what would they do? Tell me what they would do. They would encourage them, okay? They would say, that sounds like a great thing. Let's, what? Let's do it. What does let's do it mean? Let us. This is so important. At the moment a child says, I want to, a parent says, let's do it. And now here's the beautiful thing. When you decide to take action in your life, especially financially, you attract the attention of your parent. And he or she, because I think he is a he, she, I really do, he is, he's mom and he's dad to you, he's going to turn, we just say he because it just makes sense to our natural minds, he turns and he goes with you. Like how many times did your parents have to take you to this thing? Over and over and over again. How many times did you go away for a tournament that you had to go away with your kids for the whole weekend? Or they're going to, I know the Delgados, their kids are in uh, musicals. And is that what they're called, musicals or theater? Thank you. Time, miles, money, all invested in that because the kids are invested and they're engaged and they want to do this thing. Weren't you just somewhere with your kids for a weekend at a tournament or something probably recently? All, what? Always. 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 God is always with you. If you're doing a thing, he is with you. And here's the greatest part about it. Not only is he with you, but everything he has is with you too. At your disposal is his car. At your disposal is his money. At your disposal is his time. At your disposal is his ability. But you have to take action. If you're just sitting at home playing video games again, how's your parent response going to be? Maybe once or twice they'll jump down and say, hey, give me another controller. I'll play with you. That's a once in a while parent thing, and that's okay. But eventually the parent's going to say, hey, there's a sun out there. Like literally, it's not raining right. What? Bad timing, Lord. Bad timing. It's beautiful out there. Let's go do something. Your God is saying that to you right now in this current economic culture. When things feel like let's hole up and just wait for this thing to end, God is coming into your room saying, let's go do something. Let's go play. Let's go throw the ball. Whatever that looks like for you and your father, let's go do that. This is who your God is right now. And this is how the kingdoms advance through our finances. I mean this. Now, did anything I have to say have to do with your needs? Like I talked about at the beginning. No. It has everything to do with expansion and growth. Actually, a lot of what I talked about today has to do with other people. Like when you start sowing and you start believing that incredible things could happen, you begin to build things that other people live in. And they begin to gain the culture. 
and begin to learn some things about your father because you are extending because my father's house has many rooms. And I want them, the people, the children, to see how good I am. Build my house here through your finances. Don't hole up. This is not a time to hole up. This is not a time to constrict. This is not a time to throw it all in the safe and hope that everything just blows over. No, this is the time to go in. When everyone's running out, go in. I mean this. I want this for you. I want this for him. People need to see a good father in the midst of not good news. Amen? Thank you, Lord. Hey, before I finish, before I pray, I got a banker in here. I thought I had an accountant, but I think the accountant left. I got a financial advisor back there. I got really smart, really rich people in the room. Anybody want to make a comment or say anything to this? Yep. At one point when in the middle of your speech, you mentioned um, people not fearing or like, you know, staying away from things that might scare you and retracting. Uh, there's a lot going on in the world stage right now. We're all aware of that. So when you see new technologies that you might be like, oh, you know, I don't, I don't know how that sits. I'm afraid of that. I think we need to be more opening and embracing of things like that and take more risks, as Mark is saying. Thank you. Anything you want to say? You mentioned that money is currency and it will eventually flow from one person to another, especially if we don't do something with it. And if you think about times of historic um, economic depression, that sort of thing, that's when that fastest transfer takes place. When people are frightened and they pull back, that's when those people that aren't frightened that have money have opportunities. That's a time of opportunity. So to pull back during that time is when that flow happens in the wrong direction. Good work. I hope you heard that. That's really important. Anyone else? Andy from banking. Anything you want to say to this? You agree with Doug? People get scared and they get greedy. That's really good. Anything else? I know your mind was going. I'm coming over anyway. He's a really smart dude. You ought to listen to this guy. No, what uh, Doug was saying is what I agree with. If there's fear, then you get greedy. That doesn't sound great, but yeah. um, take advantage. This is the time to take advantage. Get expansion. Yep. Expand. Thank you. Anybody else? A wisdom circle here? Sure. Yeah. You ask if, if I ever sowed and did not get a good crop. That's true, I did, but the next year, I sued more in spite of what happened the previous year. I, out, out of, if I would have went by the year before, I would have had fear and not ventured out or risk again. But that never crossed my mind. I sued again. Thank you. Any thoughts? If I buy a bag of seed and just put it up in the barn and leave it there, that's all I'll ever have. You have to sow it and hope for a bountiful harvest. Seed in a bag is just a bag. Seed in a bag. bag is all it'll ever be. It has to go in the ground, and then it can produce 40-fold, 100-fold, whatever. You know? mm -hmm. And uh, you got to seed time and harvest. There's a time to plant. Right. And the crop will come. You have to wait on it. I don't plant a seed and go the next day to dig it up and see if it done anything. It takes, I know whenever I plant corn, it takes 120 days approximately to receive a harvest. Wow. That's a, wow, 120 years. Can you turn that down a little bit? It's really loud. 120 days is a third of a year, right? Am I right on that? That's a long time to wait for a harvest. <laughs> Especially when you know that you had that money just a day ago, and you got to wait 120 days before you see a return on that. But that's when you trust in a good father, and you remain open that whole time. Like right now, that rain 
is looking for seed. It is looking for seed. I promise you there is rain in the Spirit looking for seed in your life. It wants to water it. It wants it to grow. Your Father wants your seed to grow and to multiply. Amen? So thank you, Father, for your goodness. Thank you for this rain. Thank you for who you are in our lives. We praise you and we thank you that we have ability on the inside of us to, to be and do everything you created us to be. We forsake fear. We forsake those things that cry out around us. and We tap into you. And we say you are a good father and we're the children of a good father and we will live like our father lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. World Harvest Outreach is located in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania, but we have family around the world. To connect with us, visit us at whocenterpa.com.